Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by the NBA Store. A new year brings the start of a new NBA season. Suit up with the latest gear to show you support your team. We may be sidelined from going to the arena right now, but that doesn't mean you can't watch basketball from your couch in style. We are teaming up with the NBA and Podgo to bring our listeners up to 75% off of selected items. Yes, you heard that right, folks. Go to podgo.co slash NBA for up to 75% off select items from the NBA store. The NBA, where amazing happens. This episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about something we could all use more of right now. That's right, sex. Great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in the bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com is the place to go. That's right. Blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. If you could benefit from more confidence, right where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. That's right. When you use the promo code EMPIRE, you pay just $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-2.com, the promo code EMPIRE, to try it for free. That's right, BlueChew.com. Use the promo code EMPIRE. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Joining us on the line right now is a former CWF and USA Pro World Tag Team Champion. He's been a WWF, Smoky Mountain, WW, and NWA superstar. You may know him as Davey Rich or David Haskins. Mr. Haskins, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Very excited to be here. Thank you so much. I'm honored honored to be on the show. I, I saw your list of... Uh 
people you've had on in the past, and I'm very uh, very excited to talk to you tonight. That was awesome. Good stuff. As far as you, what do you got going on? What's uh, What's been going on for you? Well, about a year ago, actually the day after Thanksgiving last year, I had my second neck surgery. Um, had uh, five vertebrae fused and a couple of cages put in there. So my in-ring activity has probably come to a halt, but uh, I was still doing some of the, the little smaller areas uh, that and, um, you know, continental uh is still doing the little reunion deals. I did that last year with Tommy Rich and Johnny Rich, and uh, still love seeing the fans, but uh, I guess uh, Father Time uh, has rung that final bell on me. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Is that just kind of a lot of injuries to wrestling and your neck just you couldn't kind of handle anymore? I, I think, I, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, you know, the neck, you know, I guess takes the most of the brunt, most of the falls. You know, you're kind of taught to tuck your neck and uh, or tuck your chin, and you know, take a lot of the brunt on the on the neck. I, you know, I was a football player. Uh, I played football at Memphis State, and um, and um, so I think it was all the years of uh, playing sports and abuse and all that good stuff, and. Um, I, I think that's probably probably a combination of all of that. As far as kind of getting into wrestling, obviously, you know, you said you played football first. Is that kind of what led you? You had kind that's, of like the football career ended and it led you right into wrestling? That's exactly what it was. I was playing at Memphis State, and uh, uh, a former player uh, named Mike Stark, who's a football coach at Christian Brothers High School in Memphis now, he was really one of the first big guys who could really move. And Jerry Lawler uh, actually put him as uh, the first Lord Humongous. And Jimmy Hart was his manager. And I've never really asked Mike, but I was told he was offered a really big deal. Um, you know, one of Vince's first deal. You know, Vince really liked the big guys and, you know, man, I'm telling you, this guy was 6'3", 325, and he could move. And uh, <clears throat> he actually turned that down, you know, due to his coaching. He uh, had a real successful career, you know, coaching. He owned him and a guy named Dean Lotz owned Nautilus, and that's basically where all the guys that came through the Memphis Territory, you know, worked out at in the, the late 70s, early 80s. So, uh he, uh, he, I don't know if he was joking with me or what, but you know, I was, I was probably six foot tall, two twenty, and already had the little mullet working. And, you know, it was about nineteen eighty two, and I said, Mike, how do I get into wrestling? He goes, Do this, just go down the Mid South Coliseum Monday night, pull into the back, walk in, you know, just wave at the police when you ride by. Don't stop. If you stop, they're not gonna let you in. He goes, just walk in. He says, take your first right, second door on the right is Jerry Lawler's dressing room. Tell him I sent you. And so mm -hmm. I, I knew no better, and I did exactly that. And, uh, you know, Lawler actually thought it was funny. And uh, that night he introduced me to Troy Graham, who was the dream machine, um, uh, introduced me to Coco Ware, 
and introduced me to Donnie Bass. Donnie actually had a ring set up in a barn across the river in West Memphis, Arkansas, and he had the ability to work with me basically every day, whereas Troy and Coco could only work with me Saturday mornings when they did the TV show in Memphis and then Monday Monday before the the cards. And I just felt more comfortable with Don, Donnie Bass, and uh, he trained me for about uh, six weeks. And, and I actually uh, rode around the territory with him. Um, the territory, the Memphis territory back in those days was Memphis on Monday night. Louisville, Kentucky on Tuesday night, Evansville, Indiana on Wednesday night, Spot Show Thursday, Friday, live TV in Memphis on Saturday, Nashville Saturday night, and Jackson, Tennessee Sunday. So you're you're wrestling eight times a week. And uh, so, you know, he asked me if I wanted to ride with him, and I said, sure. So we get to Louisville, Kentucky, and some of the times Lawler would fly from Memphis to Louisville if he had some other stuff going, and they lost his bag. And the one thing that they teach you as a wrestler, always bring your bag. And me and him are within two pounds of being the exact same size of each other. And I said, you know, King, you're more than welcome to use my stuff. And he, he opens it up, my bag, and he goes, you've never even worn this. And I was like, hey, it'd be an honor. And he uh, wore my stuff that that uh tuesday night in louisville gardens and he said hey saturday morning be at memphis tv and uh me and a guy named johnny wilhoyt uh wrestled against eddie hot stuff gilbert and iron mike sharp and jimmy hart was their manager and that was uh that was the first first match of my career in january of 1984 that is a awesome story of kind of being able to break in with the king one of the all-time greats you know what i grew up in memphis and if you grew up in that 70s uh deal i mean you know jerry lawler was your hero and i mean it was like you know i mean you know everybody's got their heroes you know a lot of people who grew up in pro football towns you know terry bradshaw you know whoever's their hero well, he was my hero, and I actually get to ride up and down the road with him. We were the only two that lived in Memphis. Most of the guys lived in Nashville because that was right in the center of the territory. So we'd ride together every week. And just, uh, you know, here's the insight on stuff. I mean, not the biggest guy in the world, but, you know, and I'm a little bit biased, you know, growing up from Memphis. I mean, but what he's been able to accomplish, you know, I just – I think it's just second to none. You know, I mean, to me, <clears throat> one of the real good, you know, things of being a wrestler and, you know, some of the things I never got to do is to walk out there and be a good guy, go to a commercial and be able to come out and have everybody hating you in two minutes. And, I mean, him, Rick Flair, Shawn Michaels, you know, the very best guys could be a heel or a baby face you know, at the at the blink of an eye, you know, Eddie Hot stuff, Gilbert, Doug, Gilbert, you know, you know, all Tommy Rich, all these guys just had the gift. And uh, you know, that's uh that is uh something that, you know, I, I think's really missing from wrestling now. I don't I don't watch it too much now. Uh I mean when I was a kid, you know, and growing up that's all I did, but 
I think it, you know, I think guys like Dusty Rhodes and Macho Man, I mean, I, I, you know, they live their gimmick. You know, that's who they really were. And then I think now you got guys and, you know, they look great and they can, you know, wrestle better than any of us ever could. But I think they're trying to make them be something that they're either A, not comfortable with, or B, maybe just don't like the, the gimmick. You know, I mean, they just don't believe in it. And, you know, I, I think that when, when you watch them do that, I think that, you know, kind of makes them look like they're an actor and the real, you know, personality. I mean, I you know, don't get me wrong. You know, these guys, it's like football, basketball, or anything. They're bigger, stronger, faster. They can do stuff that, you know, we never could do. <laughs> you know, it's just right. not even, you know, the athletic part of it's uh you know, not even you can't even really, you know, judge that. But it's just I I really think that you know I, I don't think they're letting them be the the person they want to be. And you know, so many guys have grown up watching, you know, some of the other superstars. And you know, sometimes you can uh, you can you know try to emulate somebody so much, you know. There, you know, there's only one king. You're not going to be, you know, uh, you're not going to be better at being Jerry Lawler than him. There's only Rick, one Rick Flair, one Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And you can, uh, you know, take some things from them. But, uh, you know, I just think that uh, these guys, if uh, they develop their own, you know, personality, which, you know, it's not easy to do. It is not easy to do, you know. So, and back in the territory days, you know, they could do an angle in mid south, and and then that Booker come over to, you know, the Jarrett Promotions and do it, and then go down to Continental and do it, and then go to Miami and do it, and then go to Mid Atlantic and do it, and and then start back over, over in the Kansas City territory and the Portland, Oregon with Don Owens. I mean, it's just. You know, now it's just so hard to come up with these storylines, you know, I mean, so they got a tough, tough deal, but, you know, and I admire them. I mean, you know, I look at them and these guys are in tip-top shape and uh, I know that it's a it's a, a tough thing, you know, for them to to be able to, you know, kind of do it. It's, it's, it's I, don't, I don't know, it's kind of like the old black and white movies and, you know, some of the movies and the, it's just hard to, you know, to bottle that magic, you know, from like a Mid-South territory, you know, with the passing of Butch Reed. You just look back at some of those angles and, man, those guys were just so believable, you know. And that's that's the thing. I mean, now I just don't know, you know, how believable, you know, it is to, you know, to different people, you know. Very um, true. Yeah. How did you... I kind of make the transition over to Mid-South when you moved from Memphis to there. Was that Eddie Gilbert bringing you over? Eddie, Eddie Gilbert. Eddie, you know, Eddie, you know, we hit it off. He's a big University of Tennessee uh, athletic fan, and, and I, I was too. And, uh, man, Eddie Gilbert, was, he was just so awesome. And uh, um, <clears throat> he had, a you know, a lot of Jerry Lawler in him. I mean, he just – you know, he had charisma, he could wrestle, you know, I mean, he just, you know, he just had that it factor about him, and he actually called me, and 
the missing link was managed by Dark Journey at that time, and he was going to do a little deal and wanted to know if I would be his protege, you know, the missing links. And, uh, you know, I, I was there in Memphis living at home, you know, never really been out, and I actually told him no. Oh. <clears throat> Bill Dundee, who had been booking that territory before, came back to Memphis. And, you know, when you come in, you're booking somewhere, you use your own guys. And so Lawler gave up the book, so I went from having – six bookings a week to zero <laughs> and i didn't realize you know i didn't realize that i wasn't a top guy I was just an opening match guy and i just didn't realize that would happen so uh within weeks i i call eddie back and he goes hey you know uh we we scrapped that idea he goes i said well i'm ready if you come up with anything i don't care what it is i'll be there so within a week, he calls me, and he put me with Shane Douglas and uh, just had us like as an underneath babyface team. And, and it was so good because uh, Carl Fergie, you know, uh, Jerry Lawler's first cousin, he was refereeing, and me, Carl, and Shane rode everywhere together. They, they, uh, about that time, they had, put, they had put an airplane over there, and that airplane had just enough room for everybody but us – me and Shane, Doug Gilbert, Pez, Watley, and Carl. <laughs> so we, we hmm. called our we called ourselves the ground crew. But um you know, they man, we were getting to, to wrestle against Pez and Tiger Conway Junior and Pez and Doug, Doug up under a hood. And uh it was one of those deals where um man, it was the greatest thing ever. Still, you know, you know, drawing great crowds, doing those, you know, combined uh, shows with WCW. I'm going to assume it was called WCW then. It, it might have still been the NWA, but, you know, Flair, uh, Ricky Steamboat, all all those same guys from Atlanta. And uh, one of the highlights of our career, uh, you know, the, the preacher, that uh, Joel Osteen, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the, the place where he preaches – where his church is was called the Summit, and it was in uh, you know Houston, Texas. Sold out combined show, and me and Shane had you know had wrestled you know Mike Boyette and I think Paz Watley, and we were getting dressed, and they say, "Hey, Dusty wants to see you," and Dusty's office was up in one of the skybox deals. And so me and Shane, you know, scared to death and go walking in there. And uh, ZZ Top, which I'm going to assume lives close to Houston, Texas, are in there talking with Dusty. And we go in, we're just kind of standing there. And Dusty, you know, looks over at us and he goes, Shane and Davey, we're going to make y'all the next rock and roll express, baby. (laughs) And, uh, man, you you talking about two guys that are, on top of the world, and uh, within that—that that was in Houston. Within two days, we had a TV show at the UNO Arena in 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 New Orleans. They they do a couple different buildings at UNO Arena. They had a municipal auditorium or the Superdome. You know, mm-hmm. they really did yep. that Superdome pretty regular. And uh, so we get there, and I don't know exactly what all happened. But we come rolling in, the ground crew, and uh, 
Eddie and Ric Flair had gotten into a scuffle. And Eddie basically had his stuff, and, you know, it was Doug and him and Gary Young, you know, a couple of the guys. And Eddie basically said, hey, if you're with me, come on. And if you're not, you know, go on in and work this show. So me and Shane had both been brought in by Eddie. So, uh, you know, we just turned around and actually went up to my house up in Memphis and, uh, Eddie basically got a hold of everybody and said, hey, I'm going to take the book over in Memphis and you can start here. And, you know, Shane didn't really want to do that. So he he went back to Pittsburgh and wound up getting back with, and I'm going to assume, I'm trying to think, but I, I'm going to assume it was still called, it was already starting to be called WCW at the time. And they they actually put him with Ricky Steamboat pretty quick and, you know, they, you know, the rest is history with him. He had a great career. And uh, so I got with a group that was called W.O.W. And Burt Prentice, who just got put in the Memphis Hall of Fame, kind of got me in there. He was called Chris Love back then. But it was great. You know, uh, Bob Holly was there, uh, Pat Tanaka, Paul Diamond, uh, Fred Ottman, you know, Big Bubba or – tugboat whatever you want to call him you know but i mean they had a strong crew and, and we were getting to wrestle every night and i get a phone call and it's from bob armstrong and bob goes hey you know brad you know brad and tim horner were the top babyface tag team over there in that that mid-south area and we'd wrestle them a bunch of times and he says hey brad tells me a lot of good stuff about you we're going to, you know, do a, we need a baby face tag team and uh, Johnny Rich is going to be one, but Tommy doesn't want to commit, you know, to a full-time schedule. You know, he's still getting booked with a lot of different people. Would you be interested in being Davey Rich? And I didn't ask about pay. I didn't ask about nothing. I just immediately said, of course, you know, because I knew I'd be going from the first couple of matches to the main event and so they put us together and me johnny rich and scott armstrong they put a little gimmick called the party boys on us and uh man you know we did videos i mean it was uh it was it was the time of our lives and that was probably uh 88 and 89 and uh <clears throat> that little territory i don't know if you ever ever seen any of the videos from that hector guerrero we worked against the RPMs, Bullet Bob, Mongolian Stomper, uh, Ron Wright, um, Buddy Landell. I mean, it was just uh, Doug Furnace, of course. Doug, he was, he was my man. Uh, I mean, just from the first match to the last match, every match, you know, meant something. Everybody was excellent. It was, uh, it was, that was the best best territory i was ever in everybody respected everybody uh it was it was great it was great and then uh um <clears throat> that uh guy named david woods who had bought uh continental from ron fuller and ron owned usa he he wanted to buy usa to make continental you know the, the big size again and um, so he did that. So we went down to Continental, and, you know, as a, at that time, you know, the smaller territories were 
kind of fading away, you know, between mm-hmm. between internet and you know, I mean, whatever you want to call it, it just uh, you know, it's so hard to you know keep that believability factor in there. So um, you know, we basically went over to WCW, and you know, they they talked you know about doing something with with uh, the riches and the free birds. And um, I don't know, you know, I never got into all the politicking and the jockeying for position. I just I showed up and did the best I could do. And, you know, somebody told me to do something. You know, I never said, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, I would do, if they said a midget's going to beat you, you know, midget would just beat me. You know, I mean, I had respect for the business. And, and you know, that, that, that probably was good and bad, you know, so – um next thing you know as time went on tommy you know kind of started you know fading out a little bit and johnny was kind of burnt out on the business and uh about then is when smoky mountain started so we were the first you know baby face tag team to work against the heavenly bot bodies up there but i broke my leg probably two or three months after it started, and, I mean, I broke it bad. I had seven breaks in my tibia and fibula. I had to have a rod put in there. So, basically, I was put on the shelf for, you know, a year. And, you know, by the time I got where I could wrestle again, you know, Smoky Mountain was, you know, pretty much history. And, uh, you know, basically uh, just uh, started doing enhancement character you know, type stuff for WWE because they, they paid the most and, you know, did it for a few years. And I just said, hey, time to, time to move on, you know. But, uh, you know, got to live my dream, got to meet people that, uh, you know, that I admired, got to really see, you know, everything from backstage at a WrestleMania to, you know, we did, we had one, one year and, I apologize, but it's when Sid and Dan Spivey were the twin towers with uh, oh the the guy the Teddy man, Long. Teddy Long. Teddy Long was their man. Skyscrapers. Yep. Skyscrapers, and we we worked them for thirty-one days in a row. All Great American bashes from American Airlines Arena in Miami to the Forum in L.A any major venue and uh boston garden you know i mean all of them and it was that was something else i mean because you know sid's from memphis too and uh you know i always admired him great guy and i mean man with his size you know people just you know go crazy when they'd see him and he's kind of new to the scene then and so that was pretty cool you know seeing him you know blossoming too you know, I mean, he he had a great run. You know, I mean, every you know everybody's got their opinion on you know where people rank, but I you know I think he did pretty good. You know, he's a big boy, and you know he uh he, I think he uh he, he did pretty good for himself. So, uh, but that's oh, kind of yeah. yeah, that kind of recaps. You know, you know my my brief. I say brief. I as probably 84 to, you know, 97, 98, uh, the rock road with me and Tony Williams and Reggie B fine on his tryout deal. And I actually wrestled him the first 
his first WWE match, and nothing crazy. I mean, man, you know, he's such a good athlete. You know, he just, you know, he he, he was just, you know, didn't really know how to, you know, to express his personality at that point. And, you know, when you're like that and you're just getting a tryout match, you know, you don't know they're going to turn you loose and let you be you, you know. So the next night he wrestled against uh, Owen Hart, and they had a whole lot better match. But the third night, you know, we do three nights at a time. And the third night, they, they, they didn't book him. And we actually drove all the way back to Memphis after that third night. And he was kind of down, you know, I mean, because he, he wasn't sure what's going to happen. But he was still, you know, working with Lawler and them with Power Pro Wrestling. And, and that's always good because, you, you know, you're getting to work on a regular basis. And, you know, anytime you get to, you know, you know Brian was there and, and Jerry Lawler and, you know, some great, great talent, you know. So he, uh, <clears throat> you know, that kind of opened the door and kind of, you know, got him started and, you know, the rest is history with him. And uh, so uh, it's uh, it was a great ride. I wrestled uh, Sting and Ultimate Warrior their first match on Memphis TV. Um, they, they turned out to be pretty decent. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, so it was, it was a great ride again, got to meet a lot of people who were, you know, you know, heroes and, you know, a lot of people's heroes and some unbelievable personalities. That's the thing, you know, you know, you know, the Hulk Hogan's and the macho man's, I mean, they just, just like a, you know, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, they just have that it factor. I mean, you know, they, they can walk into a room. They don't have to say anything. You can just you can just feel it, you know. You know they're there, and then uh, you know. But man, those guys—they put in the time, the miles that they drove, the 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 you know, especially the guys I'm talking about. I mean, they were they were in the business when the business was really, really, really tough. You know, now you know, I don't. You know, I think they only do TVs. Of course, you know, the COVID, you know, is not helping helping anything, but. Uh, you know, I I hear I I don't know you you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear that they're talking about not even doing live venues anymore. You know, you know, you know, just doing the TV shows and the the pay per views and stuff like that. And to me, you know, that takes away the 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 love affair with the fans. I mean, you know, to me as as one of the things I I treasure most, man, I still have friends I still talk to in Louisiana and Tennessee and, you know, all over, you know, the Alabama, Mississippi, you know, and just, you know, they were, you know, you call them fans, but they become friends and, you know, you, you share common interests and everything else you would with a regular friend, you know, but you just, you just happen to meet on a different, different level, you know, different type, you know, circumstances today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by lucy lucy nicotine is a company founded by scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative finally tobacco alternatives that don't suck it's 2021 get rid of the cigarettes unplug the vape throw out your dip and get some lucy nicotine gum or lozenges 
Folks, this is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your house each month. So it's simple, and you don't have to leave the house because Lucy has delivery down. Two-man power trip of wrestling listeners. Go to lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP to get 20% off all products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP at checkout. Also, I have to give you this disclaimer. Warning! This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So go to lucy.co and make sure to use that promo code POWERTRIP like my brother-in-law does. He really, really has switched from cigarettes to Lucy. So it is just an unbelievable thing for me to promote this stuff to you. One more time, lucy.co. Make sure to use the promo code Power trip. As far as you know, you mentioned working Sid in the uh, skyscrapers. Excuse me uh, for thirty days in a row. What was that like? I mean, were they stiff at all? Were, were they easy to work? Were they difficult? You know what? They were so over. You know, because you know Johnny and I. Johnny's probably six one two thirty, and you know I six foot two thirty. Man, these guys were six nine. You know. Man, Sid was like 320, you know, with not an ounce of fat on him. He was, you know, his traps, you know, stood up. I mean, seriously, you know, you know, you know, these guys were bigger than the road warriors. I mean, they might not have had that same intensity as them, but I mean, this is some big guys and people would just lose their mind. And when people are into something so much, everything they did, the people went crazy. Uh, they they weren't any worse, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't say that they would kill you or something like that. I was just happened to be watching something tonight, and and uh, Bret Hart was talking about uh, Goldberg about you know how he just every time he wrestled him he got hurt, but mm-hmm. I never remember. I mean, we made it all thirty days, and I mean, I don't think neither one of us were hurt the whole time. I mean, they you know ultimate professionals. I'm telling you, you know, Sid, you know, again, when you're as big as him and kind of bust onto the scene like that, you get people who like you and dislike you. But, man, there's nothing wrong with him. He's a good guy. He's a good person. You know, I mean, but, you know, unfortunately in the business, not everybody's going to like you. Did he make perfect decisions? No. But, uh, you know, I mean, I could name you, I could name you a bunch who – who <laughs> didn't make perfect decisions and um you know I, man i saw them all you know being in memphis from 84 to 86 or 87 you know everybody from rick rude uh to you know i you know probably my first 10 matches you know five or six of them were against you know randy savage i mean you know so you know i've seen a lot of those guys and uh again you know they're not you know, everybody doesn't like them, but, you know, what they did in the ring and the money they drew and the the um, <clears throat> the the runs that they had are unquestionable, you know. I mean, so, you know, I, I think I think Dan and, and Sid were great. And then, you know, Teddy Long, you know, I mean, man, Teddy, Teddy doesn't get near the near the uh, accolades, you know, he deserves to, you know, because he's small and. You know all that, but I'm telling you, that guy has a mind for the wrestling business. You know, I've 
I can't I can't remember what year I met him in Georgia, but man, I've seen him in shows with fifty people in Rome, Georgia. You know, just you know, set the whole place on fire, and then you know, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's a WWE Hall of Famer, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he 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 made the most and excellent guy. I mean, still still treat anybody with respect he doesn't big time anybody i i really like that i mean you know most of the guys are you know athletic good guys every now and then you'll catch somebody who's a little bit you know you know a little bit caught up in their gimmick but man it take it takes somebody to make you look good and uh and i I just really really you know admired the guys who who realized, you know, they were lucky to be the ones getting the push. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, some of them have the look. Some, You know, you got to be able to talk. You got to be able to sell your match and your angle and all that good, all that stuff. But, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just amazing. You know, these guys were the total package. They could do it all. And, you know, we just had the Super Bowl this week. Man, in football, you know, for – three, four months, you know, you practice three or four days a week and you play the game on Sunday, man, wrestling, that's seven, eight times, you know, 400 times a year. Back in the territory days on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you know, all those holidays, there's usually a double shot. And, I mean, you had to bring it every match, you know. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot, lot, you know, rougher back in those days. You know, they were, you know, they were still trying to make it believable. You know, so you know, it's just that, that's just some of the things and the camaraderie of the guys. I mean, you know, uh, we were wrestling Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard with Cornette as their manager. You know, they were heavenly bodies. When I broke my leg, and I never pointed my finger and said, "Hey, it was Tom's fault or Stan's fault or Cornette's fault." I mean. We're all a team out there working, and it just, you know, it just happened to happen. I mean, I never, never, you know, for one instant, you know, you know, pointed my finger at anybody or, or said anything. I mean, the camaraderie of the old days, and, you know, I wasn't a big buddy of Butch Reed's. I was on a few cards with him, but, man, you know, just just broke my heart. You know, I just always heard what a good person he was, you know. So, I mean, and, you know, you know the guys back from my era. You know there's getting getting to be fewer and fewer of them. You know it's all you know the gold. You know I, I think it's the golden age. You know the seventies and eighties. You know I think out. You know I don't think you know wrestling will ever get any better than that. You know, but it was just a whole different style. Of, you know, I guess that you know the old school era. You know, I feel like that is the golden era, the best time. No offense to today's wrestling, but I, I don't know. Zero. Zero. I, think I mean, again, yeah. I, I, I want to re- reiterate, man, their athleticism, you know, the things they can do. I mean, you know, as we were, as we were, when I broke my leg, I think Chris Jericho and somebody were a tag team, and they were on the on the TV show, um, like the the week before that, and the things I hear that he does you know, for like a Kamala or, you know, some of these guys who are less fortunate that 
pass away and can't even, you know, you know, afford a funeral, man, he has been so generous. And I hear some of this stuff and man, it just, uh, makes me, you know, tip my cap to him. I mean, cause that, that's the ultimate guy right there that'll do stuff for these. I mean, cause these guys, man, they gave it all. They gave their body, they gave their life, they gave it all for the business. And, you know, they're passing away. And, I mean, it just just wasn't the money, you know, it just wasn't, you know, no benefits, no anything like that. For him to do something like that, you know, I I got a lot of admiration for him. It is crazy, the uh, the amount of love he gives to, you know, the ex-wrestlers and maybe the guys that have lost it or, or didn't have it or whatever the case may be, but Jericho has definitely uh, been great. Did you ever wrestle, Chris? Were you ever? Never, never did. Uh, I did wrestle Chris Benoit once when he actually came through Continental on his way to WCW. And I, I think it may have been a Monday night in Boutwell. But man, that dude was, he was something else. He was one of a kind. You know, he had that Man, he, you know, like a you know amateur wrestling body, you know, he 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 just he was you know high intensity, very high, you know. For, so but, for sure, yeah. What about Masahiro Chono? I mean, maybe a lot of people might not realize who that is or how great he is, but absolute Japanese legend. Didn't you work him too in Continental? Oh, for a long time, he him and Mike Davis. I'm trying to think of what they're their uh gimmick was but you know you know tommy got out of the business matter of fact i'm I'm talking to you from uh the from top where tommy uh tommy lane lives and down in florida and usually i'll try to meet him to go out to dinner and he he actually got out you know before a lot of us and started a real job he's extremely successful businessman just like he was in the business i mean hard worker, you know, dependable guy that, you know, anybody want to have him on their team. But when he got out, Mike got with Chono, and Chono came in, and, again, you're exactly right. I I bet half the Continental fans don't realize it, but we probably had a – it had to be six months and maybe even a year, you know, know, every night we wrestled those guys. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing that, you know – he went back, and you know that's that's such a big man's uh, deal. You know the Stan Hansons, the Bruiser Brodies, the you know the Terry Bam Bam Gordies. That's that's some of the guys I think about when I think about Japan. And you know Chono wasn't a, wasn't that big a guy. You know I mean, uh, but he was put together, and man, he was he was smooth as silk. And yeah, that's that's a name that. I hadn't hadn't thought of in a long time. That's, that's good to think about him. Yeah, he was he was awesome, man. Awesome. I love when like those random guys, you know, become something, but they go through like continental or one of the territories. And you're like, wow, that guy was there, and you're like, yeah, it's awesome. six months. You know, it's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Sitting in there with all of us, you know, never, you know, never had any, you know, never was a prima donna, just one of the boys, and. uh just an excellent guy, excellent guy. Again, you know, I, I hadn't even thought about him in a in a while. That's that's good to think about him. He's you know great, great performer. And then, you know, what he did when he got back to his home country. I mean, is uh, 
you know, I guess uh, says it all. Hey, you were on Superstars for WWF a bunch. I mean, whether it was against like Triple H or Bret or Ahmed Johnson, uh, Tatanka. I mean, there was a bunch of guys. PCO, um, Pierre yeah, Gallet. So many guys you wrestled. Yeah, that Ahmed Johnson, and, you know, you might know the story. I'm going to tell you, that was an athletic guy, too. And, man, he was, boy, he could move. And, you know, some of the guys, you know, you know, that's that's their time to shine. And, and back then they were still, you know, having squash matches and stuff like that. And, you know, I'd been in the business, you know, 10 or 15 years by the end, so they knew that they could have a match with me. But, uh but man, that guy, me and him had a good back and forth deal. And I tell you, I just never really, you know, I, I thought he might really, really do something. But, you know, a lot, you know, a lot has to fall into place. And again, you know, he didn't really have a, you know, a, a, a great gimmick, you know, but boy, he had the size. And I mean, and you know what? I, as I think about it, I don't think I ever heard him talk. You know, so, you know, maybe maybe the charisma part of it was it. But I'm going to tell you, he had the size, the speed, the agility, you know, all the other stuff, you know, and definitely had the look, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, um, I, I was very, very fortunate. You know, a lot of those guys, you know, Triple H, well, I think the first time I wrestled him was in WCW. I think he was terrorizing or something, something to that effect. Uh, I can't remember that first gimmick. And then John Pierre or something like that. I mean, you know, he had a couple of different gimmicks down there. And then actually even wrestling him in uh, WCW. Or not WCW, WWE, you know, uh, once he got up there and and, and started getting the – starting the, the legend of Triple H up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, all those guys, I mean, that's one of the guys who – treats the old timers i mean you know he, he's still very polite and i mean you know uh, you know hall of fame guy who you know go down in history you know you know one of the longest runs of anybody and uh, so and you wrestled on wwf and wwf right both of them yes sir pretty uh Pretty interesting, like, to look at your resume and see who you wrestled. It's literally like a who's who. It's like, man, you wrestled pretty much everybody. It was just uh, crazy, whether it be in WWF, WWF, or when you were traveling through uh, the territories. Like, Hakushi, just, you know, you just randomly kind of throw out there. Terry Funk, you've wrestled. I mean, yeah, you wrestled Terry a lot Funk, of guys. Yeah, Terry Funk was starting his run against Flair. And, uh, man, I you know, I heard Terry's health kind of bad, so... You know, if anybody's listening to this, you know, put put your prayers in for Terry Funk. There's not a better guy in the world. And, uh, man, we, we were at the center stage there in Atlanta, and I had no idea. We're fighting up in the stands and everything else. And he just, uh, just the ultimate classic old-school brawler. And, uh, man, you know, it just, it just, I don't know, it just seemed surreal to be out there with him, you know, Growing up in Memphis and all the stuff that him and Lawler, you know, did, it just, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he's one of a kind. I mean, you know, he's he's just another one of those guys that's, you know, you know, lived through era after era after era and still, you know, people still pay money to see him. Oh, no doubt about it. One of the all-time greats, and hopefully 
his health does uh, get a little better because I did hear, like you heard, uh, well, he was having a little bit of a rough patch. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, I'm not sure Terry's age and, you know, but, boy, he, he's been all over the world. He's wrestled, you know, thousands of matches, you know, been in, you know, ECW brawls, you know, he's done it all. And uh, the king of the Texas death matches, you know, so he's definitely, he definitely got, got some miles on him, but he is a, he's a true gentleman. Uh, you know, I mean, I think everybody admires him. I've never heard a bad word about him and just, you know, you know, it, I guess it's, it's used too much, but just definitely just one of a kind. Looking back, what's been your favorite territory that you've worked? Well, I really like that USA, you know, because we, you know, we were part of the storyline and, you know, USA Continental, you know, doing that. But I mean, you know, even even in Memphis, you know, I mean, it's just the camaraderies of those smaller territories, and then, you know, the Mid South slash UWF. You know, you, you basically you got twenty guys, you know, two two, sometimes three referees, uh, you know, a couple of office guys and basically you're just a big family, almost like a football team or a basketball team. You know, uh, me and Johnny Rich traveled up and down the road, you know, saw each other seven days a week. There was no no breaks, no anything for years. Uh Carl Fergie, you know, Shane, you know, me, Carl, Shane, you know, probably had a year just every single day. You know, I mean, there are no days off, you know, unless you get hurt, you know, and I didn't get hurt, you know, till Smoky Mountain, you know, thank goodness. And, uh, but it's, you know, people just don't realize, you know, that seven days a week, 365 days a year. I mean, you're with those guys and I mean, you know, it's almost like, you know, living like a gypsy, living out of a suitcase, you know, hotels. You know, sometimes, like the Memphis Territory, a lot of the guys would live in Nashville, and uh, they they usually get home, you know, three, four, or five days a week. But, you know, some of them, you know, you're, you know, just every night out of a suitcase, especially WCW and WWE back in the – back in the uh, – I'd say eighty nine to about ninety five, ninety six. I mean, it was it was grueling, and there, you know, and you know, there were two, three, you know, shows a day. You know, they had you know, WWE had a squad and a B squad and a C squad. You know, they were they run just multiple times. You know, so it was a uh, it, it was quite the deal. But there's not really one that you know I disliked. Even the even WOW, uh, Mr. Perfect Jerry Stubbs, or Mr. Olympia, you know whatever you want to, mm-hmm. whichever gimmick you want to. I mean, he was gracious enough to let me stay with him a lot of the time. He lived in Pensacola, and that was kind of the the home of the territory, and uh, really got to know him good. And you know, uh, you know, years later, you know, me and Johnny Rich worked against him and Dirty White Boy and Dirty White Girl. You know, for for a long time in Continental, you know, just about every night. But that's another guy that never gets him. Brad Armstrong, Tim Horner, some of those guys like that never get the uh, the attention or the praise that they should have got. Brad's probably the least 
appreciated that had just so much talent. You know, I mean, and everybody in the dressing room loved that guy, respected him. You know, Tim Horner the same. Jerry Stubbs was, man, he was awesome. You know, I mean, so uh, it's just, you know, just, you know, thinking about all of these guys and these territories and stuff that never really got that WWE or WCW break that, you know, but, you know, they had the total package. They had the look, the charisma, you know, gimmicks, all that stuff, but just never, never were, I guess, in the right place at the right time. As far as some of your favorite matches or favorite opponents, if you could think of even some guys we didn't name, like can you think of some of your favorites? Well, you know, I, I guess, you know, one of my favorites was Stone Cold, and uh, him and Brian Pillman were the Hollywood Blondes. Oh, yeah. And uh, and had, was lucky enough to wrestle them in the Cajun Dome down in Lafayette, Louisiana. Man, that Brian Pillman, man, he was smooth as silk. And, you know, Stone Cold back in those days, I keep calling Stone Cold, but, of course, he was, you know, Steve Austin. You know, I mean, man, that guy can work. You know, I mean, he looked completely different than Stone Cold. He had blonde hair and all that stuff. But, man, he he was always good. I mean, that's a prime example of a big, strong, athletic guy that never quite had, you you know, had the right gimmick. But when he did, you know, the rest is history. You know, I mean, you know, he had years when uh, in WCW, or not WCW, uh, World Class, you know, where he was working down there. You know, Chris Adams is the one that trained him. And, you know, that's kind of where he got his start. And, I mean, he, he was good there. He came through Memphis. He was good. I mean, it, you know, but, you know, thank goodness he, he hung it out and, and Stone Cold was born, and you know I, I'm he still still uh, you know has TV shows and stuff. You know with that gimmick being involved, he I thought he was really good. Uh, you know, of course, you know the Undertaker started right there in Memphis. You know, and seeing him go from Memphis to you know the WCW, and you know I wouldn't say floundering in WCW, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he was a top guy there either, but, you know, now he's arguably, you know, one of the best, best there ever was, you know, I mean, he had the unparalleled um, winning streak through the WrestleManias and, you know, he's, he's kind of, you know, in, in my regular job, when I go around the country and guys ask me, he's always one of the first guys everybody wants to know about, uh, just, you know, I mean, you know, what he was able to do and finally finding the, the gimmick that suited him, you know, he just, he, you know, he did it to perfection. That was, I thought that was awesome. Um, you know, the different different lives of Triple H. Even Sting, you know, I mean, from the blonde-headed, you know, Sting that was partners with Rick Steiner and Eddie Gilbert was managing them and, you know, they were the tag team champions in uh, uh, UWF or Mid-South. And, uh, you know, the Freedom Fighters, when I wrestled him, and the Jim Helwig, and they were the, you know, right there in Memphis getting started. And then when they start, you know, letting him, you know, kind of really settle in as, you know, working against Ric Flair, 
And I mean, that, that's, that had to be his heyday, you know, just and then to reinvent himself as that was kind of fading out, you know, to the kind of the darker character, Sting, and then to, you know, make the move to, uh, to you know, WWE eventually, you know, there at the end. I mean, it's just it's just amazing what some of those guys, you know, did and could do. You know, Macho Man, Jimmy Hart. You know, I'm you know I remember you know Jimmy just started and Jimmy always you know had that mind where he was always thinking, and I mean you know he just uh you know you know larger in life character and uh you know still promoting stuff. I mean he he's just uh. You know he's got that uh, got that it factor. You know he knows how to draw attention and and uh, still you know just a you know a character. Um, trying to think, I mean there's so many guys. You know I you know Brian uh, Armstrong. You know the youngest of the Armstrongs. I remember when he came out on our TV show in USA, and he's an 18 year old Marine from Desert Storm. And little skinny, I mean, in your wildest dreams, you couldn't imagine him ever getting in a wrestling ring. And, I mean, he went on and, you know, his charisma was, you know, second to none. That D-Generation X, I mean, they, you know, the road dog deal, he had a, a run that was, you know, I mean, I think he I think he did just about as much as you could do. You know, and uh, very proud of him. He just, you know, that the whole Armstrong family. Uh, you know, Scott was with me and Johnny and the Party Boys, and you know, Stevie and Tracy Smothers were a great tag team. And uh, and when we were doing that USA, me, Johnny, and Scott lived together, and we lived right across the street from Bullet Bob. And I mean, we basically spent every day together. And uh, I mean, Bob Armstrong, uh, you know. I'm going to tell you, he was a, a pro wrestler's dream. You know, I mean, I don't know how many years he wrestled. I don't know all the details, but, man, you talking about a believable guy who had charisma, you know, who he had it all. I mean, very, very well respected, and that, that was a true legend when, when he passed away this past year. It was a very sad day. And you know, so. Yeah. Definitely. Kamala, I mean, Kamala, you know, Kamala, you know, Sugar Bear Harris from Sumatobia, Mississippi, truck driver, you know, to go on and, and have the, you know, to wrestle against Hulk Hogan for weeks, you know, headlining WWE, you know, he, he paid his dues in the Memphis Territory and the Mid-South Territory against the DiBiase's and the Hacksaw Jim Duggins and the Lawlers and I mean, just, you know, another guy that, uh, you know, you know, finally, finally found his niche and, you know, and, and did it very well. Now, as far as you and your career, kind of looking back, what do you think is the, the legacy of David Haskins and Davey Rich? Like, what's the stamp you're leaving? You know what? I, I, I got to do what I always dreamed of doing as a little boy had a wrestling ring in my backyard. My father passed away when I was very young and my mother remarried and I moved to a town called Sunatobia, Mississippi. My stepfather was a carpenter. He put us a wrestling ring in the backyard and I don't know how I'm alive today. We almost killed each other in it. But uh 
it you know I dreamed of it. it was, you know my dream was to be on Memphis wrestling. I didn't know about WWE or NWA or any of those, and uh, I was very fortunate. Got to make lifelong friends. I uh, never was a big star by any means, but sure got to wrestle all the big stars. As you as you mentioned earlier, I mean I can't think of anybody that, you know, that was really a major star or a Hall of Famer that I didn't didn't get a chance to work with. And, I mean, I just, you know, I'm just, you know, proud of the guys, proud of the business and had the time of my life and uh, just, just glad it happened. Now, do you do social media at all? Do you have plugs or anything like that? Nah, or you kind of no, stay pretty nothing, private. Nothing crazy. Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not even sure what my Twitter account is. I'm just... David Haskins on Facebook, and, you know, I got my 5,000 friends. You know, a lot of them are wrestling fans or guys in some of the the smaller territories who are trying to make it, a lot of friends and fans. And, uh, 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 but, not, you know, I've never turned anybody down on that. You know, you have a limit, and uh, but, you know, sometimes people come and go, but, Man, I you know I love seeing people. I I still try to do a few of the you know the reunions or the old timers deals, and uh, you know still in so in you know enjoy seeing guys you know like Tommy. I talk to Johnny Rich, you know, not daily but at least weekly. Carl Fergie, Doug Gilbert, uh, the the referee from Memphis, Jerry Calhoun's my golf partner when I get back through Memphis and. Uh, you know, try to see Jerry Lawler uh, some. You know, he's got the got his uh, Jerry the King Lawler's Memphis barbecue that uh, I like to meet up with him over there. It's it's a great barbecue place on Germantown Road out there in Memphis. And then he's got his uh, uh, WWE Hall of Fame Sports on Beale Street. And I'm going to tell you, if you ever go to Memphis, Tennessee, and if you're even just the slightest wrestling fan. That's got more nostalgia and memorabilia than anywhere in the United States I've ever seen as far as as wrestling stuff. Pictures, is you know, robes, belts, you name it, it's got it in there. It's it's awesome. It's uh every wrestling fan needs to go there. You know. But uh Yeah, that, absolutely. That, yeah, that about sums me up. I don't know if you've made it down to Memphis, but that's that's a place you need to go to. Not yet, but it's definitely on the list. That's, there you uh, go. There you go. Definitely true. Uh, definitely on the list. Now, Mr. Haskins, just uh, want to thank you so much uh, for all the time. It's been an awesome trip going down memory lane with you. Very cool stuff. Well, I tell you what, I loved it, and I love all the good people I met, and I certainly appreciate it. It's an honor to be on your show, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have yourself a great night. Really appreciate all the time. No worries. Thank you, sir. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.